Last month, the Financial Conduct Authority warned that social media platforms were playing an increasing role in putting consumers at risk of harm through adverts for financial products and the rise of finfluencers. The advisors aren't immune either, with the regulator expressing concerns that the use of social media by advisors wasn't always helping consumers. So what should and shouldn't advisors do? And is social media a good or bad thing for advisors and the wider financial services profession? I'm Damien Fantato, digital editor of FT Advisor. And with me to discuss this are Hugh Johnson, head of proposition delivery at Sanlam, and Alistair Walker, managing director at HANW. Hello, both. Hi there. Hello. So I'll start with um, uh, you, Alistair. Earlier this year, the FCA warned advisors about their use of social media to communicate with the public and uh, conduct business with specific concerns about uh, monitoring of communications. Do you think the FCA is right uh, to be concerned about this? I do. I think it's, uh, I suspect that, that it's about credibility as to why there's a difference between the approach taken to financial advisors and and, and influencers. I like that word. I've not heard that before, so I'm going to I'm going to take that one on. Um, in the sense that, you know, somebody who has a TikTok video telling you the 17 ways to invest in crypto doesn't quite have the same professional credibility afforded to them as somebody who's a who's a professional uh, financial services individual. So, uh, I suspect the rules should and are tighter, or certainly the the approach taken is tighter towards advisors because we lend much more credibility to whatever we say online. Mm. And is there anything um, Alistair, that you think advisors should be particularly aware of? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I have, uh, personally, I, I don't use social media really for, 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 for business development at all. I use it for personal interest. Um, but I know people that do, and I suspect it's just very hard to fit a compliant message in 280 characters and that's the crux of it and so if you're going to struggle to fit a compliant message into that sort of uh, space you need to be very careful about what messages you're using it to amplify. Mm. I suppose once you've used the phrase past performance is no guarantee of uh, future returns that's already eaten up quite a decent chunk of uh, yeah Hugh, Hugh what, do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I agree with both, uh, <laughs> both of your comments on it. I think the warnings, well, the FCA has warned us about a couple of things. Um, so there was a warning that came out very early in the year around the use of things like WhatsApp and obviously concerns around monitoring of, of, of the content of those kind of messages. Um, and I, 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 within my role, I have an advisory team that reports to me. And yeah, it is one of those things you do. You think of your advisors are communicating with clients through mediums such as WhatsApp you know, there's always that risk that something is said, which can be construed as advice. Uh, is it recorded? No, it's encrypted. Uh, how easy is it to audit that? Uh, and clearly that creates a risk and a concern. So um, I, I think they're right to warn us about that. Um, I think there's not much more you can do apart from what they suggested, which is that you put good governance uh, process and policy in place to protect yourselves. Um, but I think the, the what I... <laughs> What I would say is that certainly before the SA published their latest business plan is that really the risks, I think, of uh, you know, a credible, qualified, established advisor giving um, you know, incorrect or, or bad advice through WhatsApp pales in significance to the kind of the risk of, of the kind of investment cowboy, um, you know, kind of explosion that we've seen with the influencers and, and peddling investment promotions through WhatsApp. Um, as, as well as those other platforms. 
Mm-hmm. On, on, the, on the subject of WhatsApp, very briefly, Alice, do you do you guys use it to communicate with your with your clients at all? Uh, not not where we can avoid it. Um, we we I occasionally get texts from clients, uh, mm. and it causes all sorts of headaches because receiving a text isn't in my workflow at all. So what usually happens is I read it at an inappropriate moment, go, oh, I'll deal with that later, and then immediately forget about it. And WhatsApp would only be another channel for that to happen. Um, in that sense, I think we're, we're quite old-fashioned. Uh, old um, but, but, yeah, the, the use, I think the use of different media is going to proliferate. And I, and I suspect that WhatsApp quite comfortably counts as a durable medium under the definition there. I also suspect that it is recordable if you are able to make, I seem to remember the term is substantive notes of any transactional discussions. So I can't see that there's a world in which a WhatsApp discussion is necessarily definitely not something that you, that you could use. I do know other advisors that use it regularly with their clients just for keeping in touch, um, but it's about systems, processes, controls to make sure that, yeah, you're not just... Um, you're not just doing things that aren't easily uh, checkable, I suppose. I suppose you then uh, you run the risk of having to explain uh, when the when the FCA comes around to, uh, to do a, a, a file review. You run the risk of having to explain what a particular emoji means to a uh, to a particular client. That's a really great question. Is a rocket emoji and then a picture of the moon an in, uh, an induction to purchase something? <laughs> Who knows? I think if you could get someone on from the regulator to to answer mm. that question, that'd be really interesting. Yeah, Hugh, you you mentioned um, finfluencers, and there's been a growth of them in recent years. You just have to go on you know, Twitter, for example, to see you know clips of people from um, TikTok uh, boasting about how much how much money they've made by you know yeah. investing in crypto or by investing in particular stocks or day trading. Yeah. And this is something that the FCA has warned about in its in its business um, plan. Does this is this a good thing? Maybe does does it expand the number of potential clients of the people who are interested in investing, or is it just something that we should um, well, but I, hope I, burns and dies? Yeah, I, I think that um, you you can't categorize it either way at this point. I think that well, the, the, the first most obvious example everyone's talking about is is the kind of the GameStop craze the reddit wall street bets and that was you know the crypto you know, pushing these massive returns and a lot of rhetoric that sounds a hell of a lot like the kind of 1990s penny stock pushing um you know and, and clearly that is a dangerous thing uh, really dangerous and my fear is that you know young investors in particular who tend to be the audience of these platforms will you know, get their fingers burnt early and be put off investing for life but but actually i think probably more interesting for the for, for our space or our industry is a growing uh, number of influencers who in my view are actually getting it half right um so you know this it's this relates to things like the fire movement the financial independence retire early which is basically founded on some fairly sound investment uh, uh principles diversification etc um and also financial discipline um so i think that there is opportunity in that and i think that you know, we should be as an industry watching that very closely and learning from it what do you think, Carter? I've got perhaps a unique perspective on this because I am quite heavily involved in a Reddit community that's all about personal finance in the UK. 
Um, and for all of the talk of you know young people online getting terrible information via social media, um, I like to think that the community we have, which now has over 410,000 members, um, disseminates very sensible, repeatable, um, helpful information to people. And, and Reddit's demographic is is sort of 15 to 30 year olds generally. That's the that's the kind of general range. Um, and and the topics of discussion and everything around at that. And it's an incredibly sensible community. Um, so I think it, there's a little bit of a moral hazard, um, sort of moral panic, sorry, uh, vibe about oh, you know, it's all uh, it's all these terrible things online. It's interesting the. Um, the Canary Wharf Bets subreddit, which is the UK equivalent of Wall Street Bets that everybody knows about, has a grand total of 7,400 people involved in there. So 400,000 people in the UK are there reading very sensible personal finance related topics and a tiny portion of them are reading you know, whether to, to make bets on Cornish metal trading businesses or not. Uh, then I think we've actually got a reasonable, like I don't think it's all bad. Yeah, I, I just and, and I, I agree with that. And just to add, I think this is a bit about kind of getting it half right. Is that there's there's a lot of sound principles and there's stuff that actually I'll, I'll be honest, I, I've been influenced myself into saving a little bit more, such as the power of social media and when you're seeing other people doing it and what you know and the, and the discipline they're showing. But I think the one thing that does concern me is that even those that I see as being quite sensible are often citing quite unrealistic returns. Um, and often it's very one-dimensional. It is invest your money, get compounded returns, 10% per annum. There's no thought about inflation or costs. Um, and what they neglect to think about is also you know, life happens. Uh, you know, there's redundancy, there is illness, there's death, there's uh, all of those things that happen that mean you're probably not going to stay invested uh, in that cycle forever. Mm. I mean, that's, do you see... Um the people who are potentially discussing, let's say the sensible people who are discussing personal finance issues on, on Reddit, do you see them as maybe potentially future customers at some point um, or, or maybe not? I guess, well, it, yeah, I guess it's hard given that all advisors require a certain level of assets, but yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it, that's, a, that's a great question. Reddit is a uniquely anti-commercial uh, social media platform. One of the reasons I like it is that it is is very you know you don't get embedded interests very easily uh, and in fact the community that that, that I help run uh, absolutely clamps down on it. Um, it. We occasionally get you know the, the marketing department of some fintech trying to use this as a platform to to amplify their message and I really do love banning those people. Um, so and I follow those rules myself. You know I, it, there is there is definite anonymity. In terms of who you know, who I am on the team and where I am and that sort of thing, it is done as a purely. Um, well, it started off actually as a, as a matter of interest. It wasn't entirely altruistic because I thought I would be able to teach myself by teaching others. Um, so, but, but at this point, it's effectively pro bono work. Um, uh, so, no, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a great resource for clients. I think there are plenty of advisors that use Twitter and LinkedIn like that. Yeah, I'm not sure Reddit is uh, is exploitable in that way. Uh, Damien, if I may, just one of the, my thoughts on the, the future potential for clients coming from this is that if you kind of take a, just a, a standard profile of the audience and think that a lot of people who are getting into investments on the back of 
social media influence are going to be younger um, accumulation stage um, you know probably not yet got a family etc but in place I mean that, that's a sweeping generalization but a lot of them will fit that profile so perhaps what will happen is actually they're getting invested they're building a portfolio and probably at some point in uh, yeah, in their life in the not so distant future life is going to get busier and more complex and they may then realize actually you know it's, it's okay to build my eyes but now I need some advice and my retirement or you know wider planning needs so yeah. from that perspective potential yeah it's one thing to i guess to buy individual stocks when you're in lockdown and don't have a family to look after i guess isn't it isn't exactly and yeah and investing is fairly straightforward when it's all going well and not so much when it goes the other way mm. yeah uh, cool uh, do, you, do, you, do you agree that potentially these people are the clients of tomorrow I mean, absolutely. And I think that, so you could say in a very general sense, yes, by teaching people sensible investing and personal finance habits, you are ensuring there will be some people to to take clients from in the future in a very general way. Um, I do. I agree with that. I think some people will say DIY investors forever. Um, I think the transition I've seen, I suppose I've had the benefit of seeing people who I, who I know via this community go from, I've made six figures on cryptocurrency investing, what do I do now to, I have a balanced portfolio of index funds, uh, you know, I have a buy to let property or two, I have a diverse range of real assets that I've turned this basically roulette table win into. And that's been really heartening to see, you know, it, it, it doesn't always just go right, well, I've made all this money in, in something that, that's totally imaginary, so now I'm going to plunge it into further totally imaginary things. You know, people can can be brought around to, to realistic expectations from that. Hmm. I suppose we've spoken a bit about the, the some of the risks and some of the gains of, of social media, both from regulatory point of view and also from the point of view of, you know, these um, slightly uh, un, unreputable investments that are sometimes being touted. But should advise, is it important that advisors put themselves out there on social media huge so i <laughs> i love the idea of kind of you know your archetypal stereotypical advisor silver-haired suited and booted you know jumping on tiktok uh doing some voiceovers or something but I, yeah i i think that's probably best avoided um what i what i think probably you know firms uh, advice and should be doing is working out their social media strategy um, you know, there is there is some interesting stats around. Um, the essays found that investors with less than three years' experience were more than twice as likely to rely on YouTube and social media for research and, and investment opportunities. Um, so, you know, there there needs to be something in that space um, to to capture that audience and and to educate them. Um, but the really important thing is that it's it is a nuanced game. You know, different platforms have different norms, different characteristics. Uh, and you staying on top of that and, and how fast trends move, uh, you know, that, that is a job in itself. Mm. Does Sanlam get much interaction or business? Uh, well, actually, yeah. So, so well, one thing that we've got that, that has gained a bit of traction um, uh, is our Sanlam On Demand campaign, which is basically the idea was that you can, you know, via, we, we advertise via social media, um, that you can book in to speak to a specialist without a qualified advisor or investment manager get half an hour of their time kind of no questions asked um based on what your query is we got quite a lot of interest in that mm -hmm. 
What do you think, Alistair? Do you think this is something advisors have to do by now? Uh, I think social media has been a little bit of a golden goose in terms of certainly people telling you how you should market yourself. Um, you know, the number of LinkedIn specialists trying to add me on LinkedIn uh, as, a, as a metric suggests that it's something that, that is still being peddled as a, as a necessary thing. I do no business development via social media. Um, I'm an active user of social media. I think it's about deciding what the reason you want to use it for is. Uh, so I use uh, the Reddit stuff is is for sort of um, help, just just helping people out really uh, anonymously, effectively. Uh, Twitter is my own personal self indulgent bit where I get to just sort of rant about what I want and, and read other people's rants about what they want, which Twitter seems to be great at. Um, <laughs> LinkedIn I use begrudgingly and usually spend half an hour saying no to recruitment consultants um, every time I log on to it every few weeks. And I think I think you've touched on something key, which is if it is a genuine part of, of your day and if you know how to use it and, and you're sincerely interested in that in that format and that platform, then sure, yeah, I'm sure you could make something out of it. But deciding, right, I'm a business, I'm going to go get a Twitter, uh, you know, and then just expecting that if you build it, people will come, uh, you know, is, is to misunderstand Twitter's platform. And to misunderstand the the norms and and the, and the things around that. So, um, yeah, I think if it, if it's something you're going to enjoy doing anyway, and you think you can make something out of it, then great. You're not on TikTok yet, then. <laughs> so, although I did, it, it, funny you mentioned that. I did try to think who it was. It might have been Carl Richards had mentioned uh, an RAA in the US who he knew who was making little sort of 20 seconds this is how to get rich slowly videos on TikTok I don't know how well he was doing with it but he was at least giving that a go mm. yeah, there's, there's a couple having a go I think I've seen uh, Boring Money do some stuff that's actually more on Instagram yeah, I suppose it's interesting the because also there are different demographics aren't there I suppose and uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier the um, you know there's no I suppose there's not a great deal of point for advisors to waste their time on something like TikTok if it's basically just full of teenagers. So this is this is the thing. This is the, the thing where the, with the different platforms are different characteristics. So TikTok's audience is very young, but if you look on Instagram, I think that audience is a little bit more mature, and that is where you see some more of the the kind of the more mature, sensible kind of influencers that are out there. Um, and I, I must say, you know, in terms of should advisors join. Um, I think the thing that advisors should do is is learn from what's happening. Uh, whether that means join or not, that's another question. But what's happened with the influencers and social media is that they've caught the attention of young investors like never before, or I say never before, not for a while anyway. You know, and we've I, I think that if you look at the traction some of these guys are getting and the, the fire movement, you know, what have they done that's different that's actually really caught people's attention and got them investing, got them thinking about their futures that perhaps wasn't happening 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Do you agree, Alistair? Yeah, I, I guess, again, I, you know, being a, being a, I think I'm a digital native. I think I'm young enough to be able to say that. And so this is all very normal to me. You know, I, as a teenager, I, I grew up being very comfortable with using social media platforms or, or proto-social media platforms. I was a big MSN messenger user back in the day. Um, and the, and the, the, there is that moral panic of, oh no, this is a way charlatans are going to get these people. You know, but but what about penny stocks in the back of the paper, you know, or, or the tip sheets that were, you know, rapidly photocopied and handed around the offices in the, in the cities in the early 2000s, you know? How different is that? 
Uh, the media is different. Perhaps the, the target audience is slightly different. Um, but uh, but I think I, I don't think it's as dangerous as perhaps it's made out to be in general. If nothing else, because I don't think the people involved have got very much money to lose. You know, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> the, the, the risk is fairly small. Amusingly, my first investment experience was buying small cap oil companies in the mid-2000s, and that was recommended to me by a financial advisor, as, oh, this would be a good way to use your money. Yeah, I think I think I about halved my money in six months, did really well. Um, that was actually a very formative lesson for me in what equity investment was all about, um, and probably you know put me in good, good standing to realise actually there were risks involved. So, you know, I, I think even bad advice can lead to good outcomes in some ways, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is what exactly what these people on um, on TikTok and Instagram are going through at the moment. They're learning uh, about the uh, they're learning about the importance of uh, of not necessarily of maybe sometimes taking it slowly. Yeah, I maybe. think so. Cool. Okay. Well, um, that's um, been really interesting. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Hugh, and thank you very much, Alistair. And uh, tune in again next week for the next edition of the FT Advisor Podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.